Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. On this episode of the Testudo Talk podcast, we have an exciting exclusive interview with Matt Swope. The new Maryland baseball coach was recently hired this week, introduced on Wednesday. Uh, We're going to talk everything Maryland baseball with him about his journey. He was a player back in the day, uh, his journey to coaching, his journey to becoming the head coach, what it was like taking over, and what his philosophy is moving forward. Uh, It's an exciting episode here on the Testudo Talk podcast. Uh, I'm Emmett Siegel. Andrew Chodas will be joining me for the interview along with Matt Swope. Uh, Yeah, we're really excited about this one. We hope you guys like it. This whole summer, we're going to be coming to you guys with a lot of interesting interviews, trying to, you know, spice it up in the doldrums of the offseason, kind of uh, keep things interesting, uh, even though there's no games going on. So thank you for listening or watching. Uh, We really appreciate it. And we'll get right to the interview. We are now joined by a special guest. It's Matt Swope, the new head baseball coach at the University of Maryland. Thank you for joining the show, first of all. What have these last couple of days been like? It seems like a bit of a whirlwind from, you know, the announcement that Rob Vaughn is going to be leaving to now you being the new head man of the Terps. Yeah, that's the right word. That's the only word really to describe it. It's uh, everything happened fast, still going fast. I'm still working my way through about 500 unanswered text messages and just trying to get through all the phone calls with the current team, recruits, um, do all that. But it's it's been a crazy time, but a, a special time for sure in the last few days. Yeah, Matt, and just someone who's, you know, you've been in the program for so many years now. How does it kind of feel to now be at kind of the top of the program, you know, being a coach? What are the feelings you're experiencing these past few days? Yeah, it definitely hasn't set in yet. I've gone from one thing to another. So I think your your first mindset, unfortunately, is is what do I got to do to keep the current roster intact? You know, the portal's been open for weeks. Uh, you know, where, where your guys at in summer ball, your 23 recruits, your 24 recruits, your 25 recruits, all those things are kind of, initially going through your head to make sure that you manage and take care of first. So just trying to get through that right now and stay focused with that and make sure that we're going to have a good product for next year and set up for success and sustainability in the future. So um, I'm sure in a few weeks, once things kind of settle down and get back to normal for summer recruiting, I'll be able to reflect on that. But right now it's, it's been like business as usual. Well, we know you're a Maryland guy through and through, you know, from the area, played back in the late 90s and early 2000s, now obviously been on the staff for a number of years, over a decade. How have you seen the culture of Maryland baseball and really just the program as a whole shift from back in 1999 when you started your playing career to now being the head coach in 2023? Yeah, well, I mean, I said this yesterday. Back when I played, we had about four scholarships. We were driving a bus to Florida State. Uh, you know, it, it just wasn't, we weren't, didn't have the resources even to be competitive in a nine team juggernaut ACC back then. So to see where we've gone to now, where we are fully funded, um, you know, the resources are starting to get there. We're building the indoor this year. That'll be huge for our players. Um, just to, from then to now it's, it's light years ahead. And um, all you can ever do as a coach is, is want to make sure that you can be competitive um, from a resource standpoint, from a support standpoint, administrative standpoint. Um, and we've certainly come a long way. Yeah, Matt. And because this process has just gone so quick on Monday, did you, did you have a chance to kind of sit down with the players and kind of talk talk to, to them through what's happening, kind of just get their emotions in check in such a, you know, a crazy and emotional time? Yeah, so it did happen fast. I was in there all day in the office on Monday kind of going through things, and, and we had set up a, a team Zoom for Rob to kind of, get on at four o'clock. It got leaked a little bit before that, but you know, for Rob to come on and, and say, say his goodbye to the team, which is always tough. And then I'm immediately introduced, which is a good thing for me, but 
some maybe emotions be running high for some of the players. So you're literally going from him saying bye to I'm on. So we, we talked through a few things on that Zoom. Um, so the team was all aware of what was actually happening. And then I got to come back in and, and have these just personal conversations uh, more one by one with the with the current team is, is kind of how it went down. And what is your initial message to the team? You know, they're obviously familiar with you as an assistant coach, but now that you're taking over the helm of the program, how does your message kind of change? Well, it's just about as smooth as transition as you can have. I mean, I've been with Rob for 11 years. I'm not just going to magically change who I am as a coach. Uh, I think any coach has to be authentic and put his stamp on it. But, you know, from our mission statement to the pillars, to all the standards and all the things that have been said, I've been there every second um, with Rob is, is trying to establish those things. So just more of like trying to get these guys to take a deep breath and, and take it all in and, and understand that sometimes change is hard. Uh, but, you know, this is about as smooth as transition as we can have and um, not much will change from an organizational and process standpoint. Yeah. And then just being on the staff, you know, for the past parts of the past decade, how helpful is that, you know, having a knowledge of the system and the culture and working with some of these guys, how helpful is that as you uh, work to become the head coach? It's everything. Uh, I'm thankful for Coach Chef when I was hired in 2012. Uh, he threw me right into the fire. I was doing things as a head coach back then. I had no business doing from the budget to fundraising, uh, designing uniforms, uh, scheduling, all these things that most head coaches do that even assistants don't do it um, rarely. So, you know, I got kind of thrown in the fire a long time ago. So I was thankful I was actually able to learn a lot of the stuff head coaches do back then. Um, and the baseball is a little bit more of the easy part. So I've been preparing for this for a long time because of these guys putting me in this position. So it's pretty standard. Uh, I, I think having the knowledge of the school is really helpful, being a criminal justice major, knowing where um, LaFrac is or Talls or, you know, the, the buildings, walking through them, understanding where campus is. I mean, my dean in criminal justice was still there a few years ago when I was there as a student. So having those ins and outs and those connections are vital to be able to understand what the player, what the person is actually going through. And it just, it just makes it a lot easier for sure. You talked about your getting back into the program as a coach. You mentioned in your press conference that you were 32 when that happened and you were taking a break from coaching. What was that whole process like kind of reintegrating yourself back into the game and what were you doing beforehand? Yeah. So, I mean, I played professional baseball and I, you know, I went through the ringer. I got two shoulder surgeries by Dr. Andrews uh, kind of ruined my career. I went back and played independent ball, um, had a really good year, but I was at 25, 26, you're trying to come back into the DC area uh, where the cost of living is extremely high. Uh, it wasn't necessarily easiest back then to just get back into coaching or just, you know, be a volunteer and make no money. It wasn't, that wasn't really the process back then. So, you know, I, I, done some construction jobs and then project management and law enforcement stuff in the government contracting area in DC, which is really good. So I just made a decision, <clears throat> you know, I almost went to, to Michigan with Backage at the time and then he called chef for me. So just made the decision that, you know, this is what I wanted to do. And regardless of the financial piece, it was a huge sacrifice was if I wanted to get back into coaching, eventually get to this point right now, this is what I had to do. So I went all in and, um, obviously was, was one of the better decisions I've made. Yeah, Matt, I think in the past few years, a lot of your work with the offense has been well-documented. A bunch of the players have said, you know, they're grateful for you for your work with their bats. You know, as you go into a head coach, what do you kind of tell the fans about your philosophy in coaching and what, what what's most important for you? Uh, playing hard, number one. 
um, playing with your hair on fire. I know that sounds basic, um, but it's it's kind of who I am as a person. So that's that will always be non-negotiable. Uh, I think the other thing is, is I've taken a lot of pride on coaching the individual, the specificity within each individual. Uh, we're not trying to fit a kid into a system or a mold. We're trying to work around them. Uh, there's 16 different type of brain types, which means there's 16 different type of personalities and you have to coach them all differently. Um, and in today's age, um, that's what I try to specialize in is knowing how to get the best out of each individual, not trying to make them someone that I am or make them someone different that just doesn't work in today's society. So we take a lot of pride on the specificity of the individual and that's the way we're going to coach them. We know that recruiting is very complex nowadays in college sports with you know, obviously high school is still there, but now you have the transfer portal, et cetera. You mentioned kind of tailing your coaching philosophy to the player, but is there an ideal type of player that you look for? Maybe a characteristic that you look for in a guy that you might want to bring on board? Uh, you got to got gym rats. I know that's another, you know, type of term that's thrown out a lot. You have to get people that love the game. Uh, college baseball is extremely difficult. Working hard is the bare minimum. Uh, you don't have a choice at this level if you don't work hard. So, um, you got to have people that love it, that are willing to grind it out. Baseball is a sport of failure. It is very difficult. Um, and a lot of times these kids are failing for the first time. So if they're not willing to grind through that and love it, uh, they're going to go through more ups and downs than the players that don't. So um, that's the most important thing. You got to get players that are really want to be here, really want to love it, um, and that are, are uh, willing to work. Yeah, and then just with some top players, you know, leaving this year, how do you kind of keep the momentum that you guys have built over the past three years and kind of build that into a sustained culture at a championship level? Yeah, it's always hard. I mean, it's no secret that we just lost some of the biggest key pieces of, of the, the best offense in Maryland history. We're not just talking about a few good years, you know. We're talking about some astronomical numbers uh, that have never been reached at this school and averaging over nine runs a game two years in a row is ridiculous. So, you know, you're, you're trying to level those expectations to a certain degree and, and not have the players feel like they always have to, to reach that standard. Um, you just try to make it unique, right? What do we have for next year? What are they good at? You know, tailor the, the type of offense or what you're doing offensively day to day to the, to those pieces. So we'll be willing to work with whatever we have. Um, maybe it's a little bit more of running game next year. Maybe it's a little bit more small ball. You can't just say, Hey, we've hit home runs over the years and we're just going to keep doing that. And then if you can't do it, you're going to be in trouble. So that's why my number one thing has always been swing decisions from an offensive perspective. Um, I grade these guys every single day on that. We lead the country in walks. And if you can get on base, you're going to score runs one way or another. So we'll continue that trend uh, regardless of the clientele. Another thing we've kind of seen in sports and especially in baseball, I feel like is this analytical revolution where there's all sorts of data being implemented into coaching decisions and player decisions, et cetera. How do you as a coach kind of balance those new data that's available with the traditional style of coaching that, you know, maybe you had back when you were a player? You're, you're asking the wrong guy because I'm going to give you a different answer. So there's not application, not much application to data. So we have information, right? But until people really, really, truly understand how to apply that data, it's just information. So uh, it's kind of like biomechanics. They're just ranges of motions and measurements. So until someone can apply it to the specific person, um, we're going to keep having these injuries in Major League Baseball. And we're going to keep having these issues moving along. So that's the best part about motor preferences, uh, something that I, I discovered two years ago that I've integrated in every one of my hitters. 
Uh, we know what the data should say. We know how they should move. And then we can apply it specifically to that individual. And that's why we've maximized the most out of that person. So um, I'm very well versed on all things that are going on in baseball. I pride myself to be a, a lifelong learner, um, making sure I'm up to date with with that stuff. But um, I think we've created the niche with the motor preferences and and how to apply these things specific to players. And we'll try to bring that along more on the pitching side as well now. And and everything in, in my program will be surrounded around that. Yeah, you talk about having, you know, just extraordinary talent over the past few years. You look at a guy yesterday, Matt Shaw, who gets named the best shortstop in the nation. You have a couple projected picks, the MLB draft. You know, what does that mean to kind of have these MLB prospects, you know, guys that you train and have, how you kind of level that and keep that momentum going to have such these great guys in the coming years? Well, we just take pride on development. Uh, none of those guys were top 500 players out of high school. Um, so that's the most important. I'm not saying they're not supremely talented. They, they obviously are to get to this point. I'm just saying, you know, it, it's not like they were all top 20 rounders or 10 rounders out of high school. So we've done a good job developing them along with their special talents. Um, so I'm most proud of that. You know, same thing with Brandon Lau and, and Lamont Wade and the different guys, Ben Cowles, the different guys we've had come through weren't weren't top five rounders. So we'll continue to to sell that development piece and and the individual piece where, you know, that we take a lot of pride in that. So um, it's super excited for those guys. You, you know, our recruiting classes are <clears throat> are in good shape. You know, we're all the way through almost 26 um, and some kids. So we, we have four years of, of pipeline of guys that we're on that we've been recruiting that are all over the internet. So we'll just continue to, to keep the best players in Maryland first and foremost in the region and then kind of supplement it from there on the Northeast. Well, Matt, this has been great. We really appreciate your time. I know you're busy and you've got a lot of obligations this week, obviously. But before you go, I want you to quickly take us through the wall behind you. I see all sorts of Maryland memorabilia back there. Can you kind of run us through all these pieces you have? Yeah, this is this is uh, 30 years of me, uh, you know, just collecting things. I'm, I'm, you know, obviously growing up in New Carrollton and stuff, Maryland. I've been a lifelong fan. So, yeah, I got Len Bias and Joe Smith. Uh, behind me here uh, got a ton of basketballs and things that are assigned but this is the coolest part if you guys can see here you can see the terp script on the wall all the professional baseball players um, that have signed and then obviously the other side uh, Redskins stuff the commanders you know caps Orioles all that stuff so this basement is uh, I got tons of stuff down here <laughs> in the other room too so uh, it's like I said, I've been a lifelong fan, Orioles fan, Caps, Wizards, uh, Redskins, Commanders. It's I've been a diehard fan since growing up. So it's not just a, a Maryland thing. It's a DM, DMV thing. It's it's kind of been a lifestyle for how I've always grown up. Well, once again, thank you for joining the show. We really appreciate it. And uh, congrats on getting the job and best of luck moving forward. OK, thank you so much. Appreciate you guys. Thanks, Matt. Thanks.